Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tiantian with your market view. Now, Wall Street is in a retrenchment mode right now with job cuts and hiring freezes in the tech world making their way to the finance industry. Now, major banks including Goldman Sachs Group, Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse Group have uh, either announced plans or carried out rounds of layoffs ahead of an impending recession. Is this a cause for concern or should investors heave a sigh of relief that you know banks are taking measures ahead of a potential downturn. And elsewhere, the crypto sector continues to be an area of focus uh, for our discussion today with Hong Kong's Bitcoin and Ether crypto ETFs raising some 79 million US dollars amid the saga surrounding FTX's founder Sam Bankman fried So will Hong Kong be able to attain its goal of becoming a crypto hub? Well, for more, let's speak to Prof. Lili Fang, Dean of Research and Professor of Finance at INSEAD. Hi, Prof. Fang, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, let's start with the US, perhaps. Uh, Wall Street in a retrenchment mode right now. We're seeing job cuts, hiring freezes in the tech world, making their way to the finance sector. Uh, We've seen Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all among those who have either fired staff or announced plans to do so. So is this a cause for concern or should we, on the contrary, take heart in the fact that banks are taking measures ahead of time? Well, I think this is just part of the regular, you know, business cycle, right? I think it's not a surprise that we have been seeing that, uh, you know, recession is most likely in the cards. I think the market's expecting, you know, higher than 50% a chance. I mean, we've been talking about this recession for a very, very long time. Mm. And since, you know, they started raising rates, the central banks around the world. So I do, and we have already seen, you know, the slowdown happening around the world. And banking is a very cyclical industry. So this is just a reflection of that. And as you have already mentioned, the job cuts really uh, happened in the tech industry in a big way. So we're going to see the labor market softening, starting from the tech uh, banking industry, and probably will filter down uh, for the rest of the economy as well. So we will be probably seeing a slowdown and then possibly a recession in 2023. I think that that's just this is just a harbinger of that. Mm. So, um, well, Prof, I understand you're very much into the crypto sector as well. On this note, uh, Binance CEO Chang Peng Zhao, he was on CNBC recently and he dismissed concerns as to whether Binance could handle a potential 2.1 billion US dollars clawback of proceeds, uh, proceeds which uh, Binance earned when it exited a Series A investment with FTX. So where do you see all of this going? Could Binance be the next to bite the dust? Um, Binance is the largest crypto exchange now. I mean, obviously, it always has been, um, and it's the bellwether for the whole industry. Right. If it has any issues regarding its solvency or um, reserves, then the whole industry's um, you know confidence behind that will be completely undershaken. Uh, now, I think I think that they the last week, couple of weeks ago, they came up with these um, proof of reserves. Now, those are not full audited statement. They just showed at that moment in time there was enough reserve on the system and that those are no replacement for such a thing as a full audit. I think that clearly there are issues. It's a natural, you know, uh, it's understandable after the spectacular collapse of FTX, people start to look at the next one uh, in line. 
I do. I I don't really know. I mean, nobody really knows right. the, the the finances behind Binance. But I do think that if you look at the price movement, it doesn't seem to have, you know, kind of triggered a, a collapsing entire collapsing. And um, it's tricky because it's a private company. So you, if in order to get it, it's desperately apparently by the statements from Binance itself, it's desperately trying to get an auditor to go in and do the full audit. The issue is that few auditors wanted to do that job, <laughs> which is a chicken and egg issue. You know, yes, they yes. need the audit to give the confidence, but auditors, given the liabilities, given the risks involved, their reputation on the line, few people are willing to do so. In fact, you know, traditionally, um, crypto um, players have always been uh, audited by by smaller, uh, you know, mid to small sized auditors rather than the big four. So, um, indeed, I think it's interesting to watch what's going to unfold. Uh, hopefully, this is not going to be, you know, if if Binance has any issues similar to FTX, that will be the end of the crypto world for sure. Mm. And speaking of more regulation for the sector, I think Hong Kong is one geography that's looking to push for more regulation in the crypto as well and to be a crypto hub. And earlier, Prof, uh, Bloomberg reported a pair of Hong Kong ETFs investing in Bitcoin and Ether futures. They raised 79 million US dollars as Hong Kong pushes ahead with its plan to become a crypto hub. Uh, what are the chances of success for Hong Kong amid the ongoing uh, crypto route? And how long would it take for the city to really attain this? I think that, you know, this you have to be very careful because, well, first of all, 79 million is tiny. It's yes. puny, even yeah. in crypto uh, scale. Crypto is much smaller than the traditional, you know, asset class, which are trillions of dollars, you know, tens of trillions of dollars. And here we're, I mean, it's a very, very small. Hong Kong, I think that this is a very interesting stance they're putting in. Apparently, they're trying to, you know, pick up, uh, you know, a low point to get into this industry. I, I, I have some doubts because we know that Hong Kong has been increasingly under, you know, um, the control of the Chinese government. Mm. And now I think crypto in general is banned in China. So this will be I would be cautious about this move. And um, and, and again, I, mean, I, I think that this is very, very small. So I'm not sure that um, this would all go very easy. I mean. But on, on the other hand, mm. I think that we have to distinguish there's difference between crypto and, uh, you know, blockchain technologies mm. and other right. ways of using the technology for other things. And so if there could be a pivot to essentially using technologies to improve financial services in other ways, that could be uh, interesting. So I think that just kind of focusing on the crypto per se is not not just Hong Kong, I think all over the world, people are not, not necessarily thinking that this is the best play. Mm, right. And Prof, please allow me to segue from Hong Kong to look at China and in particular to look at the US-China tensions. The Biden administration had late last week added Chinese chipmaker YMTC and also 21 major Chinese players in the AI chip sector to a trade blacklist. What would the bifurcation mean for China's chip industry? Well, I think that, you know, this is clearly the U.S. administration's uh, move uh, to to slow down the chip de- industry development uh, in China because they see China as very much of a geopolitical rival. Mm. And this is a part of the technology area where they, they want to control and they don't want China to catch up fast. So I think that to the extent that U.S. still controls some of the more advanced technology, it will slow down 
the industry development in China. And that's, you know, that's obviously the Biden administration's goal. Mm, do you think domestic demand within China and internal circulation will be enough to keep this uh, chip industry vibrant? Well, yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, chips, there's lots of different levels of chips, high-end chips mm. and low-end chips. And clearly the volume, the demand side, China is large enough market to uh, sustain the demand and, and market activity. But when you're talking about the cutting-edge technology and the cutting-edge chips, and this is the type of chips that I think, you know, um, that the Biden administration is most focused on. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Prof. Lili Fang, Dean of Research and Professor of Finance at INSEAD. Uh, well, Prof. Fang, uh, I want to look at oil prices right now. They were in the red towards the later half of last week uh, amid a stronger dollar and future interest rate hikes by global central banks. Seems to be on a recovery of late, but to what extent can China's reopening uh, demand bolster prices? Yes, oil prices have been very volatile, and I think that you know, um, recovery, reopening in China is a huge factor that people have been looking at to see whether that's going to not only boost oil prices, but also, you know, prices of commodities in general. So hopefully going into 2023, that's going to be a support for, you know, commodities in general, including oil. And also, uh, even though earlier we discussed this recession, um, there has been indications that maybe the slowdown will be less severe than anticipated. And, mm-hmm. and towards the second half of the year, there might be pickups even in areas like Europe. And so hopefully that will provide some stability and support for oil prices as well as other commodity prices. Mm. Is there a particular level that you're looking at that we should be watching for oil prices? Yeah, well, that I would not want to speculate. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Well, while staying in commodities, Prof, I'd like to turn our attention to look at energy supply. The North American Electric Reliability Corporation said uh, the adoption of EVs, electric vehicles, the rise in cryptocurrency mining will pose emerging challenges to U.S. power reliability in the upcoming years. But uh, what would the adoption of EVs and rise in digital assets mean for global energy demand then? Yeah, so certainly these are two important pillars of energy demand. It's a demand, the total energy demand is the same. It's shifting from one kind to the other. I mean, from fossil fuels in the cars to energy, but, you know, electricity. But electricity is generated from other sources of, um, you know, fuel, right? I mean, you can have still gas-powered, you know, power stations or uh, coal or nuclear. So I think that, you know, it depends the um, the overall demand is going to be rising as it has done before due to population growth, due to economic growth, due to people having better, you know, insulations for their homes and cooling in the summer. And, and not only just the U.S., I think the biggest energy demand is going to be driven by Asia and by mm-hmm. the emerging markets of Asia. For example, India and China, these are the two huge countries that's going to uh, underpin the huge demand increase in the next decades that we're going to see. I think it's important to more think about the supply, how to make that stabilize in in a sense that, you know, how do we make sure that the, the push towards greener energy mm-hmm. is not going to destabilize the supply, you know, so that um, so that we can meet those demand increases. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, Prof, looking at the global headwinds we are facing in totality, how should we as retail investors position our portfolios as we head into the new year? Yeah, I think that this is a very difficult time. You know, uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, risk aversion is very, very high right now. 
lots of uh, people have called quits on previously they've piled into a, a year ago people you know previously uh, did not invest in crypto invested in crypto and other risky assets now uh, risk aversion has kicked back in and people are more conservative so i think that when you have cash putting some cash on hand that's not a bad idea just to so that you can sleep sound you know at night and uh, at the same time however i think that the market has gone down a lot at the right time it would be good to nibble, I would right, say, right. you know, into solid, you know, quality companies. I see. Thank so, you very yeah. much. Yeah, yes. Thank you very much, Prof. That was Prof. Lili Fang, Dean of Research and Professor of Finance at INSEAD. Thank you very much for joining us on Money thank FM you. 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.